Welcome to the East Side Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. You know what was, uh, this, it's been an incredible, incredible couple of days. We went to uh, a celebration service yesterday of my brother-in-law and uh, met with, uh, it was in a church, it was probably opposite of this one, very Presbyterian, very formal type Presbyterian. It had some contemporary elements, but it was pretty formal. Well, one of the things I thought was very interesting as we sat there, my daughter was there and my uh, son-in-law was there and we were, he was asking what I was going to talk about today. And I said, First Kings chapter 17, and you could see the eyes of that other pastor kind of light up for a second. And then he called me aside and he says, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, First Kings chapter 17. He said, me too. <laughs> so what are the odds? You think the Lord might have a message for the church? Yeah. I think so too. Those kind of things don't happen just randomly. I think I've got a word from the Lord. I think I've heard from God. I think these things are true. If we'll remain humble before God, believing God, walking in faith, if we won't be jockeying for position and if we'll just begin to, to put a, 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 um, an emphasis on the outpouring of God in the kingdom of heaven happening in the lives of people around us, then we're going to be the kind of place that God can pour out on. And this is what I believe he's told me, and um, it's kind of wild. Um, I'm, I'm getting used to beginning to express this kind of thing publicly. Uh, usually I hold these kind of things close to my vest, but I believe the Lord is trying to get me to share these things. And I think about this church, and about what the Lord's doing here is that, is that he wants to pour out uh, a spirit of Elijah on this church. Now, what I mean by that is the spirit of God. But, but, but what Elisha did was prayed for a double portion of what Elijah had, right? And then, and then Jesus said about John the Baptist that if you, if you understand this, that he's Elijah. Now, he wasn't talking about reincarnation. He was talking about he carried the same mantle as Elijah carried. And so when I think about that, I want to read some of the stories that we see in, in about Elijah and about what's going on in his life so that we can understand what he carried and what that means for the church today. First Kings chapter 17, let's just read it together. And Elijah the Tibusite, the Tisbite, I'm sorry, of the inhabitant of Gilead, said to Ahab, which was the king of Israel, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came, saying uh, to Elijah, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook uh, uh, Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from that brook, and, have, and I have commanded that the ravens would feed you there. So he went and did according to what the Lord said. Now, I wonder if Elijah would have heard the Lord and not obeyed. 
one of the things I want you to see about this, and I'm not going to say it much, it's important that when you get, you hear the voice of the Lord, that you do what he says. You've got to do what he says, even when it don't sound like you, even when it doesn't make sense. God is, you need to begin to learn that you can recognize the voice of God and the spirit of God and that you can obey the Lord and do what he says. And so it's imperative that Elijah do that and what you're going to see with the widow woman doing that. But let me just give you a little bit of history. I'm going to keep reading here in just a second. Um, uh, but uh, one of the things I want you to understand about this drought being prophesied over the land, it was about this. Elijah prophesied that there wouldn't be dew or rain. And the reason that he prophesied those things is the same thing that we talked about last Sunday in Isaiah 31. And that is, God said to them, he, said, he, he, he points out to them that, if, if, that he showed them these things in advance so they wouldn't give credit to other gods. And then he said, I'm not going to show you anything because you'll take credit for it. You know, there were two things that came, and one of them was you'll give credit to another god, and God didn't want to share his glory. The same thing is occurring here with Elisha because what the people of Israel were doing, including the king of Israel, were giving credit to Baal, Baal, the, a God other than our God for the rain. He was the rain God. And so what Elijah was doing, he's saying, you think you're getting rain from him. You're not getting rain from him. He's taking the glory from my God. And so, and so I'm going to say this, my God who's in charge of the rain is going to make it stop raining. Matter of fact, there's not going to even be due. And so he prophesies this prophecy because somebody else is getting the glory that God wants. And then God gives instruction. He brings provision. Now I want you to understand that this provision wasn't a house on Lake Norman. <laughs> Nor Lake Wiley. It was a tree and a brook. And how he brought fruit, food was through birds, but he brought food. He had something to drink in the midst of the drought. You need to understand that Elijah had to go through the drought. But God brought provision. Because Elijah was obedient. So he said, turn it, go by the brook. He says, I'm going to bring the birds and they're going to, they're going to bring you food. So he did according to what the word of the Lord said. Say that with me. He did according to the word of the Lord. He did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and he stayed at that brook which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened that after a while that that brook dried up. Because there had been no rain in the land. Have you ever been in a place where you felt the anointing and the th things of God and all of a sudden they dried up? If they dry up, what I want you to see here is that he will lead you somewhere else to go. He will, he will move on you to begin to follow him. Now that doesn't mean the church shop. That's in the spirit. Now, if your church is dead, you might need the church shop. But if they're flowing in the Spirit and they're open to the things of God, you need to stay put and be part of a body of believers. 
and have faithfulness to that body of believers. Well, what this, what this is saying is, is that he makes provision, and when that provision dries up, he's still got provision. He hasn't quit being the God of provision. So he brought the ravens, all that stuff, and then, and then the land dries up. And then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Did y'all hear that? I have commanded a widow there to provide. Now, if you're the widow and you've been commanded by God to provide for the prophet of God and he's not there, what are you probably thinking? I think the Lord's told me to provide for the prophet, but I don't see no prophet. But she was prepared. She was prepared by God to do the thing of God. Before Elijah got there. So when he arose, he went to this place. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, when he came to the gate of that city, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her again and says, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I, I do not have any bread. In other words, I promise I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a, a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, and then we're going to eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did, how? According to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. Then the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run out according to the word of the Lord, which is spoke by Elisha. And there's so many times we come to a place where we feel like we're at the end of our rope. And the spirit of Elijah, the idea of what we can glean from what Elijah wants to do is when you come to the end of yourself, when all of your resources are expended, when you're at a place where you're on totally dependence on God, God's got to show up, and you think if he don't show up, you're done. That's when God begins to do the miraculous. And in this passage of Scripture, it is a picture of something not running dry. It is a picture of there, there just being just a little bit, and God says that I'm going to make this last longer than it should. I'm going to do something with this thing that you bring to me, that you offer me, and I'm going to turn it into something that only I can turn it into. And it's a picture of, 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 of faith. It's a picture of us coming to him and beginning to learn to lean on him in times when we think that if we did something like that, it was too. But that act that Elijah asked her to do looked totally selfish as far as Elijah was concerned because she said, I just got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Well, bring it to me and let's eat it. But then he said, because the Lord has told me that that's going to last us until the drought's over. And that's what it did. 
In Malachi, God tells you to bring your tithe to the storehouse. Uh-oh, he's, he's talking about money. Now, I want you to hear me. I'm talking about money because not because we need it. We're in the, well, we do need it. But we're in the best position financially we've ever been in. Yeah, we can cheer about that. But, but, it's for you. Because there's a principle here that says, that says you've got to learn to trust God even when you're at the end. That he has the ability to stretch things out further than you can do on your own. There, there, and, and that's the whole idea of tithing. Bringing your tithe to the storehouse is this. You can't do as much with your money if you don't give it to God because God will make it last longer. He will stretch it out. He'll, if you'll do what he says in obedience and begin to move with him, he'll do something incredible in your life. You'll begin to see the hand of God. And if you hold back from God, you are closing the door to heaven, opening up on your life. Because what you're saying to him is, I don't believe you can do this, God. And if you're in financial trouble, and I never really got this totally. I, I knew it to be true, but I just really never got it. If you're in financial trouble, don't, don't bring 7%. I've heard this preached. I might even preached it. Don't bring 5 Bring 12 Stick it out there for God to do something with. Move in faith. That's what Elijah was going on here. It's what is taught in this deal that God stretched it out. Let me tell you, man. Have you ever, <clears throat> have you ever wanted something really, really, really bad? And you wanted it so bad you believe God wanted it for you. And then you went and did what you wanted really bad, and it didn't work out. And then you were kind of mad at God going, well, well, God, not only does he make my cars last longer than they should. I have a vehicle that I had since like 2000 and something, barely 2000, that I drove and put almost 200,000 miles on myself, and then I gave it to somebody else, and they're about to do the same thing with that little car, and they give like crazy. And that little car is still going. It's not wearing out. In the desert, God didn't let the shoes and the clothes of the people that were walking in the desert. He said, I'm not going to let your stuff wear out. <laughs> Either he's God or he's not. He's the same yesterday, today, forevermore. And he says, test me on this. Back to that thing that you really want real bad. I've got this Ford F-250 diesel that I have to drive by every day going home. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you really want me to have that, don't you? I called the bank. They said, yes. That's got to be God. <laughs> and it's not. God says, no. But God, I really want that. That's what I've always dreamed of. It's right there. The bank said, yes. It's not one I have for you. 
you wait on me and I'll show you. I'll show you. When it's time and when it's mine, I'll show you. Why? Because he wants to give me one that's not going to wear out. He's going to show me the one that he's going to use that he's got plans for, for me. Somebody just said he's going to show me a Chevy. <laughs> if it was a Chevy, I'd be all right. I see what the problem is now. You're getting it though, right? You can jump out because you want it to be gone so bad and you've got to begin to learn to understand the Spirit of God, hear the voice of God, and be obedient to God as He says so that He can do in and through you what He wants to do. He wants to do the miraculous with everything in your life, but you have to follow him and be obedient to his voice and do what he says the way he says do it. So if you want to open the storehouse of heaven on your life, you better get your finances in order and believe God to bless you and to pour out on you like never before that he holds the key to the sluice gate that can open up on you and do a thousand times, ten thousand times, a hundred thousand times more than you could do on your own. A hundredfold. And you can stay there in your, with your feet plugged into the mud and close up heaven. But I encourage you to open up heaven on your life by doing the will of God. That was not part of the message. All right, you ready? <laughs> and Elijah said to her, do not fear, do what I said. And he made a small cake and he ate that. For thus says the Lord... God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall it run dry until the day the Lord sends the rain to the earth. So she went and did according to what the word of Elijah said, and, and, and she ate, and they ate for many days. So now it happened after these things. Now these miraculous things, these incredible things. She's been eating and drinking on this th stuff that she thought was going to be one good solid meal. And she's been eating and drinking for, uh, on that for, for days and 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 days. And then yeah, the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him so she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Listen to me. In the midst of the miraculous, this woman had a wrong image of the word of the Lord and what it was for and a wrong image of who God was. Did you come here, prophet of God, to make me remember how, how sinful I am, how bad I am, how much I've done wrong. Is that why you came, old man of God, so that you could come show me that and I could remember that and, and come bring death to my son? And Elijah said, no. And Elijah goes and he prays. And he asks the Lord. Lord this, he says to the Lord, Lord, this is not why I came What's going on? Let's bring this 
let's, let's accomplish why I came. And why Elijah came wasn't to, that she would remember her sin, but that she would remember a day when the prophet came and the Lord brought provision. Where the Lord stretched out, where she was at her wit's end, where she was at her end, the Lord stretched that out and began to do the miraculous in her life. And then what, it, what she did and why he came was not so she could remember her sin, but she could see the love and the power of God. Because the reason the prophet came was to raise something that died to life. She had this image of the father that was not right. It was inaccurate. Even in the midst of the miraculous. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God comes to bring life and bring it to you more abundantly. And so, he said to her, give me your son. So he took him out of his arms and he carried to the upper room where he was staying. He laid him on a bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? Question mark. You didn't do that, God. That's not your intent. And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he was revived. Did y'all just hear what I just said? And the soul of the child came back to him, and he was revived. Who is this? Is this Jesus? Who is it? It's Elijah. Who is he? He's a prophet. He's a man. Elijah said, I want, I want double anointing. And the God said, yes. And Jesus said about John the Baptist, there's been no greater prophet than this one. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. So what does that have to do with us today? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm about to rock your world. I want you to understand this. Elijah had this relationship with God where he could hear the voice of God and begin to proclaim the things of God that lined up with the nature of who God was. And he spoke that and it came about because Elijah was obedient to the voice of God. He did what God said even when it was not comfortable to him. But how many would agree with me right now that you believe that the Spirit of God was on Elisha? Would you, would you raise your hand? I want everybody to participate. If you don't believe it, keep your hand down. But if you really do believe it, raise your hand. So the Spirit of the Lord was upon Elisha, and because it was, he was able to raise a boy from the dead, where his soul came back to him. Keep your finger in Hebrews chapter 11. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Peter's sermon when he's talking to the church or to 
the the possible church where four thousand came to know Christ that day. He he's he's there's a witnessing of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and there are people who are saying, "What in the world is going on here?" And some of them are saying, "Oh, look at all these people they drunk." And so Peter is rebuking some and encouraging others. And he says, "It shall come to pass in the last days," says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Say that with me. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Say that. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Say it with me. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maid servants and on my men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor or smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so what you see is what was prophesied in the Old Testament. And what what was going on in the Old Testament was the Spirit of God would come upon prophets of the Old Testament to carry out the will of God and to and to prophesy and help direct the king. Actually, what's going on here with Elijah is he is he is talking to King Ahab. He is he's dealing with King Ahab and all of this. But what the overriding realm of the story is this, that God is in control. Baal's not in control. There's somebody else that's getting the glory that God wants, and that's not acceptable. I'm not buying into it. I'm not allowing it. I'm not, it's not touching me because the truth of the matter is that my God is in control. He, he called down fire from heaven. He, had, he destroys 400 prophets of Baal. He does business with those that are are enemies of God. But the point I'm trying to make here is that the Spirit of God would come upon these great men. But when Jesus died on the cross, the reason that he died on the cross was that so we might live that we would have eternal life, but it's bigger than that. It's much more than that. It's so that we could come into a place that we are the prophets of God. There's a church age that's come about where where we have the ability to do what Elijah did. He opened the veil. What was closed to man, he opened the veil so that we could go into the Holy of Holies. So that we could see visions and prophesy. So that we would line up with one another when you don't even know what I'm talking about. So I'm preaching the same message as a Presbyterian in Greenville, South Carolina. Because there's a word of the Lord that needs to come forth about what is available to the church. If we'll just begin to operate the way God tells us to operate. In Hebrews chapter 11, Paul is writing to the church. And he's writing about faith. And he starts in in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For the elders have attained a good testimony because of their faith. Now faith is believing about God, the things about God, who he is, what his nature is, his character, 
what he's capable of. There's no name above the name of Jesus. He fights our battles. He's the one that goes before us. He's the one that can stretch out the oil and the flour. He's the one that can rescue me from my finances. He's the one that can break addiction. He's the one that can heal my marriage. He's the one that can rescue my child. It's Jesus and him alone. He's greater than anything that I could ever do. I can't manipulate anything as good as Jesus' power and grace can do as he moves into my circumstances there's no way I can do that it's by faith it's by believing God and so Paul writes this to the church this is what he says it's amazing it's absolutely amazing look to somebody and say this is amazing it's about to be really amazing he's writing to you and me to the church at that time and he says now listen faith is believing about God when you don't see it happening. You know the nature, the character, and all that about God, what I just said. And then he says this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. When she had received the spies with peace, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. And what did they do? They worked righteousness. They obtained the promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the sword. They, they, were, they were made... In their weakness, they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. They, they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Their women received their dead, raised to life. Why is he writing that to you and me? His expectation is that we be people of God who walk in that faith because the veil's been opened. Because we can walk in. And we can be representatives of the king. We can bring righteousness into something. It's true. I'm standing before you today and I'm saying to you, it's true. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's not so you can get your ticket punched and not go to hell. The gospel is so that we can be born into eternity to begin to bring the righteousness of God to a lost and dying world. It's the gospel that we can speak truth when there's a lie, when things are getting the glory other than God so that we can straighten things out with what we pray and what we say. We carry the words of God. The Lord's called me to faith, to a place of belief, that causes me to push by my fear and insecurity. It causes me to push by, what are you doing, God? Are you showing me all my sins? You hear that? The reason you disqualify yourself is because you think and have been told you're just a sinner. 
a sinner. You're a saint. You're a priest. You're a prophet of God. You've been saved to proclaim righteousness to the world. And to do that, we've got to get a right perspective of who God is and who we are in him. And then we've got to begin to have faith that if God speaks to us in a situation, that if we bring that word, that it has the ability to break down walls, that it has the ability to set captives free, that it has the ability to bring healing, that it has the ability to bring the kingdom and righteousness to a family. So how do you do that? Well, the first way you do it is you've got to begin to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to yourself. You hear me? The gospel message is true to you. You need to be set free. You need to no longer hang on to sin. You need to be addicted to nothing. You need to be attentive to the Lord. You, you need to be a person who, who understands the love of God and how it just wave after wave wants to penetrate your life and bring healing to every area of who you are. And you've got to begin to minister that to yourself. As a minister of the gospel, you've got to minister the gospel to you. You've got to believe it. And you've got to let it change you. So that you're no longer in prison. That you're, you're not putting up with the same old, same old junk that you know doesn't look like Jesus. That you're not a person of, that lacks faith. That you have a measure of faith. And you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. That you begin to move forward in your faith and, and that you minister to yourself believing the gospel and then you minister and bring the gospel to your family and then you bring it to the world listen this is the vision there's, there's like four positions in this church you ain't gonna get it There's so many people after position. Here's your position. Jesus died on the cross. The veil was rent. You, have the, you can approach the throne of grace with boldness. You can receive the spirit of the most high God. You can operate in the fullness of God. You can be transformed into his character and his nature. You can begin to minister righteousness to a lost and dying world. That's your anointing. That's your position. That's your calling. Minister the gospel. Heal the sick. Set the captives free. Bring righteousness. How? Believe that God is able. Pray. Touch. Speak. Truth. Boldly. That's the spirit of Elijah. Anybody with me? 
Anybody want to take a risk with me? <laughs> I want to be known. I want to go in. I want to see Jesus and him say about me, you were bold. You believed. You worked righteousness. I'm going to tell you right now, this is an incredible word. How many would agree this is an incredible word? I mean, that's just, that's an incredible word. There's no way to accomplish this by self-discipline. It's the presence of God. It's the Spirit of God. It's a commitment to God. It's being humble before God. It's allowing Him to use your filthy rags and bring glory to His name. And that you have faith. That he can work in you amazing things. Listen. <laughs> the Lord hadn't told me to walk around the wall seven times and shout it and it come down. But the question is, if he did... I believe he can do it and then am I bold enough to be obedient to walk the walls and shout them down am I going to be a place where I can even recognize his spirit if he spoke to me to tell me to do that that didn't happen unless I prioritize him the hard part for me is believing that I can lay hands on Somebody, because I am a child of God and because of what he's done and because he commanded me to and somebody be healed. But we believe. And that level of belief and that level of faith, God wants to just dig deep. And how he digs it deep is he gets a body of believers like this right here. And he says it's not about the man here. The man here is praying for you. The man here is trying to challenge you to become what God created you to become. That's all my role is. That's all I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to bring the kingdom. You're supposed to do the ministering of righteousness. You're supposed to lay hands on the sick and they recover. You're supposed to speak a word of prophecy and it be done as the Lord leads you. And I pray that you would open up. Now, do you see this word that Aaron brought? And how, how important it is? <laughs> Listen, let me remind you what it was. You've got a crack in your roof. And the Spirit of God is starting to pour out on you and making you uncomfortable because you think you need to get it fixed. He's taking you somewhere that you're not comfortable with. And so you're looking for ways to fix it or to stop it. And Aaron's word from the Lord to you was, don't fix the leak. Don't look for ways to stop it. Look for ways to allow it to happen. That's the word of the Lord. So, Father, we say yes.
If you're in agreement with me and that's something that you would like, just lift your hands to the Lord and just say, I say yes. I say yes. My answer is yes, God. We agree with Isaiah and we say, Lord, send me. Lord, send me. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.